Uh, worship. Today we're going to speak on worship. I told some funny things at the first service earlier about church, just church in general. We're talking about these why we's, uh, why we do what we do in church. I told a few funny things. May I, I'll share them with you. I thought about uh, church, how we, especially in this kind of church, we kind of, you know, are exuberant type people worshipful type people so we're noisy we're outward expressive but we expect our kids to come and sit and be quiet well i i told them it's like my son he don't know when to sit and be quiet you know it's always play time it's always noise time for him i know we want him to be excited during worship because okay then but then when it's time to preach you still want him to be quiet but uh, uh so i think we damage kids sometimes we really confuse the poor little fellows uh so i just think it's kind of funny another thing i didn't mention last service but be it as it may, I've never built a church. I've never been in on designing one, so I'm not holding anyone guilty. But it seems funny how we, the church, want to get our message out so much, but we close ourselves in so much. Look at our milky-colored windows. No passerbys could look in here and even have any idea what we're doing here. It does seem secluded to them. It seems like a private meeting. It seems like they're not invited, really. Even though we do invite them, how many of you say this? Boy, I haven't seen you in a while. You go to a funeral or uh, get together. And what we church people really mean by that is we haven't seen them here in a while. Well, of course you don't. This ain't where, this is not where they want to be. I told a guy that at a funeral some months back. He really is Faith Mobash's husband. Dustin, I knew it was with a D, Dylan, I was trying to say. Dustin, I said, Dustin, I said, man, I haven't seen you in a while. And it caught me. And he really didn't know who I was, but I remember meeting him. He just didn't remember meeting me. And I said, you know why I haven't seen you in a while? And he goes, why? I said, because I haven't been to your house. He just looked at me like, yeah, this is, you know. I said, it's true, man. You, you don't know me to come to my house. Or you don't know me. To, I said, Dustin, I met you at church one time, and it's wrong for me to think that I haven't seen you for a while because you don't come to where I go on Sundays. You don't want to come to where I go. So it's just funny how the way church people are. I thought it was funny that um, people say things like, uh, uh, I had some people in years past tell me I should do certain songs at certain times of the service. Um, you don't do enough hymn songs. I can't play hymns, man. I mean, I know a lot of them. I could sing a hundred of them, but it's just not something I learned to play. I, the first song I learned to play, I swore I was. I sat down at a keyboard, didn't know how to play, and I heard the song Jesus Lover of My Soul for the first time. I said, that's the song I'm going to play first on the piano. I told my friend Jeremy that, who was trying to teach me to play piano when we were in college. And I said, I'm going I'm to play that song. That's going to be first. He said, now listen, you can't always say that. I said, by golly, you just put your fingers there and go at it. It's got to be all there is to it, you know. I tried it on a guitar, couldn't get F. I sang an F a lot. Flats were hard, so I said, heck with the guitar. Show me where that flat's on a, on a piano. And he showed me, and I liked it. So that's, that's really the only reason I learned to play piano. I didn't feel called to it or anything, but um, it just seems funny that the Bible don't say necessarily what type of songs we have to do at certain times. Um, I can't remember any of the other funny ones I said, but today it's about worship. Today we're going to talk about worship. It's it's my uh, desire today that you uh, have a you that you trust more of what we do here in worship. You trust that it's worship is not about an outward expression. It, it, it is about an inward change. When you have an inward change, it brings about an outward expression. Uh, I came from a background, a church background where it was hymns and it was gospel songs sang. And, um, and that was great. I mean, that's just the way they worship the Lord. I didn't explain this last service, but I'll explain it here. I think we attend churches that fit us in every way. 
I think some of us allow ourselves to be challenged. I spoke to somebody here uh, a while back, and he explained to me that he was from a very different church, uh, being raised up in a very different church. He said he was excited about coming today to hear me speak. I'm thinking, wow, somebody's excited. <laughs> and uh, and we, sometimes we allow ourselves to be challenged and changed. I remember I was very rooted about certain things. When I first got saved, I thought Southern gospel music was the only music worth that was anointed or worth listening to. I thought I'd be the next one of the next Kingsmen. I really did. I thought I'd be riding them big fancy buses, and uh, <laughs> I just thought that's what I'd do. But uh, so I think we attend churches we like. We buy cars we like. We buy houses we like. You know, one great scholar told me he's he's Buddy Webb. You know, Buddy. One great scholar named Buddy Webb told me not everybody likes mayonnaise. Some people like mustard, and some like ketchup. Uh, but I think when it calls division in our churches, it grieves the heart of the Lord. So uh, as far as the type of worship, I'm not putting down any other type. This is where it really fits me, and that's why God led me here. I got away from my old church a little bit and was going to Bible college and experienced a different kind of worship that I fell in love with. And I said, there's no music like singing directly to the Lord. You can sing all about when he was on the cross, I was on his mind, and or not putting that down, or... Um, uh, what we need is a soul-filling station, which is an old song by the Hensons I loved, you know. Or you can sing Standing on the Promises of God. And, and all those are true and well and just and great. And they're I- instrumental tools to bring the gospel to people, um, some of those. But um, there's nothing like when I actually sang to the Lord. When I heard Jesus, lover of my soul, my heart was broke. I thought, wow, there's nothing like worship music. So that leads me uh, to where I am today, to, to, here to do this. Uh, I taught a class a while back, and I made up a manual a few years ago, and I couldn't find that manual. I can't believe I couldn't find it. But worship, basically, to depress, to to bow down, to fall prostrate before falling down. Uh, that That's true. I was made to worship you. I was. We were made, as part of God's creation, to fall down and to worship him. Unlike the angels who don't have a choice, they took choice. Some of them took choice with Satan, and you know what happened. They were kicked out. Unlike the angels, we were made with, as free moral agents with choices to worship God. God said, hey, I've already got creation that's going to worship me. I created them to do that. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. They're going to do it. They're going to sing around my throne, play instruments, and they're going to sing to me. But I want a free moral agent. I want a body of people that want to do it because it's their heart. Because God has a huge heart and he's full of love and he wanted us to love him freely. So that's where that, uh, where that comes. But the, but the Bible, there's Bible words, shaka, uh, cog hat or something. I wouldn't know, know all these. But it means to bow down, to fall prostrate. And uh, when we do that, it means uh, our whole lives we bow down, we fall prostrate. In our thinking, I think a lot of times we need to just fall out before the Lord in our thinking. Because so much we get caught up in what others think of us or what we think we should be like. I said it in the first service, Jeanette, uh, prayer yesterday morning. Boy, you miss prayer, especially when they put you in the circle, Saturday morning prayer. Um, she told me, she said, I had to fill nobody else's shoes but mine. Wow. The movie Faith Like Potatoes helped me. I mean, you think after being saved since 1991, 18 years, I would know that. But... It, we get so dull. We get so, if I could say, we get dull, very dull as Christians. This culture just flat rubs on us, and we get dull, and we get to be just like that dull. We're not sharp. We don't, we're not, we don't really fully realize every, each and every day that God created us uniquely to do something unique in his kingdom. 
worship here in church. It is great. It is very exuberant here. I love it. Um, so the, the words, there, there were some words. That's the words I came up with, or the definitions I came up with, to bow down, to fall prostrate, uh, to serve. One of them means to serve. Some great scriptures. Thomas is going to put Psalms 149 and 150 up. I'm going to give you scriptures because I can't teach on worship and tell you what we do here is okay or how we do it is okay without giving you scripture. If I, if I did, I could just say, hey, everything's fine here. See y'all later, you know. But really, you, you should go home and you should challenge me and you should bring something to me. I have a friend who's a bricklayer and he goes to a denomination that does not believe in 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 instruments. We've tried to talk about it, and he tried to tell me the only thing I got from him was that was an Old Testament. Well, I don't know how much you know of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is just one big, huge typology of what the New Testament is going to be. The New Testament, it was not, the old, God, he said, I didn't come away to do away with that, but to fulfill it. Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament. So I never found in Scripture where he said, stop using instruments. Never found it. And if you find it, you can show it to me. But his response was, that's under the old covenant. I thought, well, God is too, so let's throw him out. You know, I, I just can't understand that. It wasn't a real good answer for me personally. Uh, so I, 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 I couldn't imagine at the Passover when Jesus rose in on the donkey that anything would be different. Have you ever heard people quietly waving palm branches without moving much other than just waving? Why would they be doing that? I guarantee, you know, they were singing, they were dancing. That's just the way it was. It comes from the Jewish tradition. It was handed down to us, thankfully. And um, it's just an outward expression of an inward work. Hopefully I say that a few more times today. It's just an outward expression of an inward work. Psalms 149.50. I didn't have enough time last time, and I will not have enough time this time, Thomas. Uh, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And his praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. I don't know if your spouse will like that, you singing at night when it's time to get up or in the morning, but uh, I think it means when you're down and out, so let them sing. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, this is 150. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in, the, in his mighty firmament in the sanctuary. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of trumpets. Praise him with the flute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's not a quiet, uh, that's not a quiet outlook on a Christian. Uh, I've said this probably later in my message this morning, but I want to say it now. I'm not looking for you to do anything different here. God may be. I'm not. It's not my responsibility to wonder if you're making enough noise, shouting enough, jumping enough. Uh, it is therapeutic. It's been proven that people that laugh, that smile, that are happy live longer. I would say rejoicing is part of that. So it has been proven. We have a doctor shaking his head. It has. Uh, 
I like really interesting facts, so when I get time to study those things, and I pray, Lord, help me to be happy, help me to be joyful. Um, so uh, some other scriptures, Ecclesiastes 3, 4. I thought about different things we see take place in church because that's, that's what it's about today. I thought about Ecclesiastes 3 and 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Uh, so there, there's things we see in a worship service. We see people crying. You'll see me crying. Uh, there's times I get happy up here and I laugh. There's times, this is going to be weird to you, but my mouth waters. I don't. If you notice, during singing, I usually very little need water. Uh, but in that scripture, it says, there's, put that back, Thomas. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. He changes one bad for a good. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Uh, I know that I can say personally, when I said, uh, when we lost a child, uh, had a miscarriage six weeks in, uh, and boy, it was heartbroken. And I can remember going, and we went and was checked out by the doctor, and she said, I want you to go downstairs for further blood work. And at that time, we were real foreign to the fact that it happens to a lot of people. But it does happen to a lot. So at that time, we were kind of thinking it's only us. You know, we're not thinking about everybody else. We were thinking about ourselves just like selfish humans do. And But walking out of that doctor's office, I can remember walking out to the hallway, getting ready to turn to the, uh, to the elevator. The Lord spoke to me and said, I'll turn your morning into dancing. I said, how? But at that time, I knew in my gut we, we had lost a child. I said, how? That is flat impossible. But I'll never forget the greatest Sunday morning in my life the greatest Sunday morning of my life, heading up that elevator with babe having labor pains. That was the greatest Sunday morning. When our, and later in that day, our child was born, and the Lord spoke to me said, I will trade your morning for dancing. You know why I get excited? Because I know God is a good God. He desires to do great things. Sure, we're going to suffer in this life. This life is broken. Adam fell. If he hadn't, you would have. This is a fallen world. It is not God's desire to bring bad things into our life. But because we're in a dark world, it is dying. We lose. Sometimes we temporarily lose. We ultimately win, but we temporarily lose. Through that, at times when he trades our mourning for dancing is when we rejoice. And we have outward expressions. Because of an inward work, I trust in God's word and know that he will. We have outward expressions. So I'm not looking for you to be any different. Please don't think that. Um, I know what you're thinking. These are a bunch of Old Testament scriptures. There's one here about clapping hands. We don't have to turn there, Thomas, in 40, uh, Psalms 47. And Luke 35, here's another one. I remember when uh, we used to know an old praise song. I uh, said, oh, when I think of his goodness, what he's done for me, when I think of his goodness, you know, how he set me free, I can leap, 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 all night, da, 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 all night. So that was one. And I thought, leap, oh, and they just tell you, come on, leap before the Lord. And I thought, what? Leap. So I looked it up, and it's in the Bible. It says that he'll take the dumb and cause them to sing. He'll take the lame and cause them to leap in that day, meaning that day. So it is possible. And I don't know about you. That day, to me, when I looked at in scriptures referring to that day, we stand before him and we're made perfect. I don't know about you, and there's not a lot of lame or dumb people, people that can't speak. We're all people here that have legs and have mouths. So uh, I would rather like to do it here. I'd like to get crazy for Jesus here, and people know it, and it draws them in. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be attractive. I want people to say, hey, man, this guy's got something, and I want it. Uh, so I know what you're thinking. These are Old Testament scriptures, Patrick. You, 
I did give you Luke 6.23. So uh, one guy told me this, said, if you look up worship, almost every, he said everyone at that time, is Old Testament. You know, so that was Old Testament. We don't do that anymore. And I just looked at him and said this. Jesus said, I did not come come to do away with it, but I come to fulfill it. Jesus was that type that the Old Testament talked about to come and fulfill in the New Testament. And I look at it this way. God just wanted to get first things first. He didn't have to repeat himself in the New Testament. He didn't have to. He said, hey, we did it, you know, in the early on. Let's move on and go to greater things. So, um, I mean, you know how much stuff we would get rid of if we would just say we're under the new covenant? I mean, that's. But uh, de- the definition compared to what it looks like in church, I know I gave you the definition. Is what I came up with was uh, was falling prostrate before the Lord to bow down. Uh, uh, and we think, wow, we don't see a lot of that in church. We see a lot of the exuberance but uh let me tell you within this inside of you within your fleshly man when you fall down before the lord and you realize your life is 100 percent his you'll have an outward expression i made this definition our outward expressions they are the fruit of how we understand the meaning of worship i thought about a pie chart i thought if i could send something out and ask you uh, in private, not here where you felt pressured, and you would be honest. And I would say, where does worship fit into that? Your That's your life. You know how they do that. Oh, work, let's see, work is 14 times 5, 70 hours a week. So for me, that would be, I don't know, pretty, that'd be that. I guess by the time I leave home, go there. Wow. Worship is what? For me, I do two services, so one at one hour. On Sunday, <laughs> one hour on Sunday, work, all this is work. So, you know, I'm just saying that where would it fit into? You get, you could break it down and sleep and all that, but basically this is not just, this is an act of an inward expression. With being God's creation, we were created to worship the Lord, to worship the Lord in what? In all that we do. So really, this whole thing is worship. And you're saying, oh, you're getting flaky here. But this whole life, your whole life is an act of worship. Everything is. Now, I've heard it to the extreme. I've heard it where a lady said, I prayed about what to wear today. I wasn't going to wear what God did not want me to wear. I thought, who's got the time to pray about all that stuff? But anyways, uh, worship is a lifestyle. It's the second part of my message today. The first one's just going to be about here. Uh, But the second one's going to be about it being a lifestyle. Um, not we what as far as worshiping, I mean, as far as you're thinking of outward expression and what we do here, we don't want you to do it because others do it. Not because David danced uh, in a in a royal linen ephod. Not not because uh, Miriam danced with the ladies in their tambourines. Not because any of that. Not because the dance team does it or we do it. But you do it because uh, it's part of who you are. You probably never be somebody that dances. That's cool, man. I keep saying one day I'm going to get out here and God's going to give it to me and I'm going to dance like David did with that royal linen ephod. I just know it. One day it's, I, I was a dancer growing up. You know, I was, I was like one of the best break dancers there were. And uh, <laughs> for my skin color, can I say that? Because <laughs> I used to go to competitions kind of, you know. Breaking was like part of a, of a form of war, of, far, of street fighting, 
without actual violence, and it was awesome. It's probably, to me, probably the mo my most favorite dancing is to watch True Breakers. Turbo was my idol, if you knew who he was back in the 80s. So, uh, <laughs> so dancing, you may never do that, and I'm not expecting that of you. I would never want to put that on you, but oh my goodness. You could add, let's, let's, Burl, has, you don't dance in church. No, but you play the guitar, right? Do you dance with your wife? Some, they, they danced. They took dancing lessons. Did it make a difference between the two of you? Did it open doors in your life that it had never opened before? Yeah, exactly. It's an intimate act. So are you saying, Patrick, well, I need to come to church and do something different that I don't normally do so I can draw closer to the Lord? Maybe. Maybe. We fast because we're wanting to draw close to the Lord. We fast to deny ourselves, to, to give God room to come in more. Uh, so uh, uh, am I saying if, you, if you're going to get out and clap your hands or even step out in the aisle, something's going to change? I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm just saying um, that they go hand in hand kind of. I, do ha I did say this, not because others do it, but because the Bible tells us to. There is coming that day. When God will, for the lame and for the dumb, change their not being able to speak into singing and changing them not being able to move. The, there will be no more uh, handicapped people. Everyone will be well. And um, I don't know about you, but my legs aren't broke. My hands aren't broke. And I don't want to celebrate the Reds any more than I celebrate Jesus. I don't want to celebrate Zane Trace any more than I celebrate anybody else. I party here, I party there, but I hope I party for Jesus more than I do for anybody. I just hope I do. Uh, I believe the Bible. I personally, of course, believe all those scriptures I gave you are still for today. I don't, uh, uh, this, to be honest, people say, as far as a worship service, this is a celebration service where we corporately do worship the Lord. We make him number one. We put him on high, and he's the one that we're here for today when we gather together and we celebrate. It is a celebration service. And um, uh, Psalms 96 is a good one. We're not going to turn to there. First Chronicles 16. I like this story. Beautiful story of worship. Probably, the, probably the, to me, the best picture of a worship service of people having some purpose. First um, Chronicles 16, the whole chapter. We won't go through and read it, but it's a beautiful story of worship. It is where David had brought the presence of God. We know at that time the presence of God resided in the ark, and he visited people at times. So it was a always a big fight or a battle over the ark of where it stayed. Remember, it stayed in Obed-Edom's house for a long period of time. How many of you loved to have been that guy back then when God was in a box? Like, we still put him today, but he's not. But God was in a box. How would you like for him to stay at your house for a while? And that was guaranteed the thing. Oh, my gosh. But anyways, uh, you'd be like the most anointed person if there is such a thing. But anyways, but David was bringing that back. It was when David danced out uh, before the Lord in his royal linen ephod. And they brought him back into the tabernacle, it said. And David appointed different people to different positions for that church service. And wow, you're talking about intense. I remember when we first went to this minute by minute we do here at church. You know, we kind of, we try to mix it up. And we kind of spell it out who's doing what when. I thought, you know what? This is just not God. At first, it was kind of a struggle. I thought, this is not God. Man, we ought, even though I'm a structured guy and I like to put things where they belong, I just thought, boy, it's just not God. And, and the more I realized it, the more I realized, and they used to say, well, we're going to make this schedule up. But we're going to give God any part of it he wants. I thought, yeah, right, right, right. I feel like we do do that here. 
uh, if you want to know that. So, and when I read First Chronicles 16 again, I thought, wow, David flat had it spelled out how they were going to do it. There was no ifs, ands, buts about it. But what caught my mind was, and I know what guy, I'd really try to get into the heart of men because worship is squishy to men. What takes place here is, can any men honestly be honest and raise your hand and say, you know what, kind of what takes place here in the celebration, there's a masculine side of me I think is kind of squishy, kind of feminine. Am I the only guy that thinks that? Is that why I see all you men out dancing, shouting and jumping and running the pews? Yeah, you think it's squishy. Don't lie to me. I've been to too many promise keepers and men's meetings. Uh, you don't want your wife to see right. But men do think that. Men think, you know, oh, who's he telling me? And women are just so more spiritually responsive than men. And uh, so I, I kind of tend to, uh, I thought connection group, when I it was home group then, I thought it was squishy. I thought it was feminine. I thought, you know, men don't sit around and talk about things from the heart. That's what they're going to want to do. They're going to find out my sin. They're going to want to find out things in my heart. I am a construction worker, part-time worship leader. That's the way I used to think at times. Uh, now I lead worship everywhere I go. Everywhere. You'll say, how? I'll tell you how. Friday morning, I was using the iron worker's lift. We get there an hour before they do. They let me borrow it. So I started up, and I'm letting it warm up, and I'm kind of checking it. Iron workers were walking in the job up this ramp, and I said, Hello, Dayton Iron Workers. Let me thank you for your time. You worked a 40 hour week for a living just to send it on down the line. And just like men with that squishiness goes, What the heck is wrong with you? I'm thinking, dude, it's Friday morning. Let's celebrate, you know? It's about over with. And you guys have put in a good week. Now, I am a guy that is. I, I am very uneasy with secular music. You can ask anybody that's close to me. I'm very uneasy about it. I'm very careful about, and if I know anything, usually it's old like that, what you just heard right there. Uh, I'm just very uneasy about listening to it. I, I really am. I have to be honest. I, I, you can call me religious if you want to, but uh, I think some of them have good messages, uh, but I'm just very uneasy. I don't do it a lot, to be honest. But I do that, and that guy looked at me funny. When he asked me what the, he said a bad word, is wrong with me. And I said, dude, I said, don't your boss sing to you guys like that? Or at least don't he come pat you on the back and tell you thanks for hard. Oh, and he just had the most worst thing to say, heck no. I said, God does. And he goes, what? I think it's Hebrews 10. I can't remember exactly where. But in Hebrews, it says that he will stand in the midst of the brethren and sing over them. Even the much more with him being lost, you don't think God loves that man. Not that God takes time out from me or you and say, hey, you're all right for a while. Put it in cruise control. I'm going over here and getting these sinners. But let me tell you, I, there's something about me thinking a daddy who's got lost children somewhere is really after them. And it's my job to have one hand in the gutter and the other one in glory trying to bring them guys over here. How about you? There's going to be one day, there's going to be a day, I bet you, I pray for that man, there's going to be a day before he leaves that job, he's going to bring that up, what I did that day, when I just said, God does it. So, anyways, I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait till that day to celebrate. But about this church service, First Chronicles 16, I read through there all the different people that David appointed to do different things. My name came, and I, I, I knew him because I had liked the other verses of Scripture about him, about a man named Benaiah. Benaiah, Benaiah. How did I say it last time? Benaiah, didn't I? How do you say it, Aaron? 
Benaiah, yes. That's how it looks like it's pronounced, if I can even understand that in the definitions, the highs, lows. But uh, Benaiah. And I knew the story of Benaiah who went into a pit on a snowy day and he, he slayed a lion. So, I mean, come on. The Bible, for one, don't talk much about snow. So when it does, it really wrung my ears when I was a young Christian because I used to like wintertime was my favorite time of year. So the the name Benea stuck with me, and when I came across it again here recently, I looked Benea up. This is what he said about Benea. Benea, in First Chronicles 16, David appointed him, and he's to play a trumpet during the service. But let me tell you a little bit about Benea, and I want you to picture a worship team of people. David was one of, Benaiah was one of David's mighty men. He was a very loyal supporter of David and of Solomon. He was on the good side. David's bodyguard, he was a Levite, or he was in the worship lineage, if you could say that. He was overseer of the offering. That was huge back then. It was very much more huge than now. It bothers me, and I've heard it said here, about the offering, or I've heard it said of other churches, they take too long, they focus too much on money, on on offering. Maybe not money, but on offering. It shouldn't be a problem with you unless you have a problem with it. In the Old Testament, people brought an offering. It was huge to do that. They traded some outside of the sanctuary, the church, to bring their offering. It was a huge thing to offer something to the Lord. So it shouldn't be. So back then, think of how huge it was for this guy, Benea, to be all these things, a loyal supporter of David, one of his mighty men. He was an overseer of the offering. He was David's bodyguard. I'm trying to picture Burl's about the only, I kind of act like he's the toughest guy up here. So I don't know yet. We haven't really got it on, but there's probably coming a day. But uh, So he says, I'll lose. Don't try. But um, Picture Burl. He's overhead of the offering. How huge it could have been back then. He was the most loyal guy to a pastor. He was one of the mighty men in war. Oh, he, and he played a trumpet. I don't know about you, but does anybody in here play a trumpet? It just seems like those don't go together. It seemed like trumpeters I've seen, I wouldn't think them being this. But go on down. This is, what I, I guess, what I'm thinking here. He was a chief over an army. He was famous for three courageous deeds. One was climbing down into a pit and killing a lion on a snowy day. Wow, Samson-like dude. They didn't have gun. You know, we would stand up outside of it with a gun. You know, we'd probably get in a tree stand. But, anyways, uh, he killed. He he was known for killing two lion-like warriors. Could you imagine being warriors? Two lion-like warriors of Moab. Could you imagine being from Moab or wherever you're from, and people call you lion-like? You have to be rough. He killed both of them. He also killed an Egyptian giant. We know they had giants back in those days. People are saying, wow, I'm so confused about that because did the sons of God and the daughters of men get together and it made giants? What was it? There was really giants, you know. How were people that big back then? You know what? I don't know, but I know the Bible says it. And I know when I figure God out, he's not God. I know it's faith and a relationship. In my relationship with you, Jeff, I don't know everything about you. But the more I get to know you, the more I'm something, and you get to know me, there's something about me you're not going to like and I don't like about you. And it's at that point we decide whether to trust and love one another in that relationship. That's falling prostrate. That's me saying, hey, Brian, me and Brian are very close friends. There's probably been something since I've known Brian that I didn't like. And there's been something Brian has known about me probably or saw me do that he didn't like. 
but we still very much love one another, and we are still very close, and we continue to continue on in this relationship. It's the same way with God. It's an act of worship. That's an act of worship to me and Brian. I flat lied to Brian one time about something. He asked me something. It wasn't my business, and I had to go back to him and tell him I lied to him. But it was an act of worship because I fell prostrate before God and said, God, I don't want to do this. This hurts. But I know it was the right thing to do. That was an act of worship. So you're saying, wow, worship's more than music. I hope you're saying that. Benaiah also killed an Egyptian giant with the giant's own weapon. I don't know about you, but when you're in war, your enemy does not lay his weapon down and say, come and get it and try to kill me. No, it's in his hands. The boy was pistol whipped. A normal size, maybe an extra little bit bigger guy named Benaiah had taken his own weapon from a giant and pistol whipped him. I don't know about you men, but I've been in some scuffle before, and just to get slapped upside of the face is hard to take. Oh. <laughs> so I don't know what that turn the other cheeks about. I know the Bible says that, but I hope I don't run into it. <laughs> so anyways. Leads me to the second part of my message. We're not doing bad here. First Chronicles 16.29 says this. Somebody read that out loud. Beauty of holiness. Can you explain that? I remember when I first read that scripture, I thought that is just very confusing. I was leading worship at the time. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. He is holy, okay, and he's beautiful. So how do I get inside that thing? Worship the Lord in how do I get inside beauty of holiness? I don't know about you, but to be honest, it's very confusing thinking of it like that. Very confusing when you, th- I, I mean, just think about that. Who would be honest to say it's confusing to me just to say we worship in the beauty of holiness? Yes, it is confusing. It makes no sense. Something that's beautiful looks like what, Thomas? Since we are such an outside aesthetic type culture, we'll give you some beautiful pictures. We are into the aesthetics of things. Is that a beautiful picture? We'd like to lead worship out on the beach, top of a mountain, overlooking the ocean. And Wouldn't you like to be like that one day? We could all take off a week and go to Florida and do that. Go ahead. Oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful. Go ahead. It's beautiful. Good, strong, masculine man worshiping the Lord. That's beautiful, isn't it? Look, look at all the different color of believers there. That's beautiful to me. That's beautiful to a worship leader. So what will we say about beauty? I would say this. To be beautiful, something has to be full. It has to be fulfilled. It's not missing, right? It's not missing anything. You ever seen a Miss America with one leg? Have you? Huh? No, uh-uh. No, you're not going to. You ever seen a bodybuilder, professional? I remember I used to watch some of them guys, boy, them bad dudes. With his muscle hanging down here, nothing up here flat, he wouldn't make it. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, what would we say about beauty? Beauty is something that's fulfilled. It has everything it needs. It is fulfilled. So, let's put fulfilled there. I like that word. It's full. It's fulfilled. It's not lacking. 
The word holiness. Let's see some pictures, Thomas, of things that are not fulfilled for a little fun. <laughs> I had to ask Thomas first service what that is. I had one of these at one time, but it didn't look like that. That's a guinea pig, a hairless guinea pig. Did you know if you shave the hair off of a polar bear, do you know what color he'll be? Black. Yeah, God is like the most awesome dude because when you wear black, you know, it makes it hotter. That's how, what helps keep them warm, their hair hollow. God's just very creative. Go to the next picture, Thomas. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, Lord. Yeah, we know witches don't look fulfilled. Go ahead. Oh, Lord. Definitely something lacking in that guy. You notice him? <laughs> okay. So we would say something like those pictures, they're just lacking something, to be honest. So we would say they're not fulfilled. Holiness, who knows what holiness means? In the Bible, yes, we know that holiness is to be set apart. I, I told you I attended, uh, I got saved in a Pentecostal holiness church. So they were huge on being set apart. We were set apart. We're different. It's where the spotless bride that Christ is coming back for the spotless bride. Oh, I could preach on that deal, but I won't. We're not spotless outside of Jesus Christ. We will never be. I don't know about you. If you think you don't sin, please see me. We have counseling sessions we can set you up on. Uh, we're not spot. I'm not excusing our sin, saying, okay, go ahead and do it. But we work on that daily. It's something we lay daily before the Lord. Lay aside every care, every weight, which does so easily beset you. So holiness is being set apart. As the church, we are holy. We are set apart. We're different from who? The world. Why are we set apart? Why? We're not like them. Why? For worship. One reason, yeah. For worship. Why else are we set apart? Why did God set us apart? Call us holy. Clean us through his son. Why? If there's white, if there's holy, there's what on the other hand? There's black, there's unholy. So we're set apart for what? Just to say we're set apart and be better than others? Right, to be a light for a purpose. We are set apart for a purpose. What is that purpose? I like it explained like I said earlier. For reconciliation. The Bible says, seeing we've been given this ministry of reconciliation, we've been set apart to bring those in darkness into his marvelous light. Bottom line. So we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, or we worship the Lord... We worship the Lord in the fulfillment of our purpose. Would you say that is a, that is a great comparison to send you out of here with? That's a fair, we could get some theologians, we could call somebody and say, have we watered this down? Lord, you don't want to water down holiness by putting the word purpose. But we are set apart as being holy and we're set apart for a purpose. So we worship the Lord in the fulfillment of our purpose. Turn to your neighbor, I want you to say that. We worship the Lord in the fulfillment of our purpose. Can I pick on somebody today? I want it to be the right person, so raise your hand. You might be them. Who's, who's one? Who's one? 
Who's won? I want a lady, but come on, Jeff. Want Jeff? Ladies, look at men. All men hands. I love it. Masculine. Come on, Jeff. Tell me what you do in life, Jeff. What do you do? Come on. During the day, what do you do? What would you say? What are you? Who are? Who is Jeff? He's a servant, right? You're also what to your wife, uh huh, and to your children. You're what? He's a dad, right? Are you an employee somewhere? Yes, he's an employee somewhere. Um, you're you're a servant of who? Of the Lord. So he is a he is a servant. Thanks, Jeff. He's a husband. He's a father. And he's an employee. Jeff worships the Lord in the fulfillment of his purpose right here. And what we do on Sunday is just an outlet for him to really enjoy his party, his celebration of this. I explained it to you far better than I explained the first group. I'm so glad I did. And it's 1230. So take yourself and you say, I, Patrick, I am, I wouldn't have said that, Jeff. I'm not that good. I would have said worship leader or minister or something, pastor, whatever you want to put. I'll put worship leader. I'm a worship leader. I'm a husband. I would have put, by God's terms, we know that. You know that, Jeff. We would put this first. Our, our relationship with him, servant, be good. I would explain it that way. I'm a Christian. So I'm, I'm the same things kind of Jeff is other than throw a worship leader in there. Um, so I worship the Lord in the fulfillment of that. When I fulfill these things, when I do well at these, oh, God is happy. Oh, with my relationship to him, when I... We have our private time together, and gosh, and I, he is just so loving to me, and we share together life, whether it's good or bad. He loves that. That's a, that's a fulfillment of one of my purposes. That is a huge act of worship. When I come home and I'm not, and I'm in my right mind, and I'm not allowing those sinful natures to be part of my life, and I'm a, I'm a husband to my wife, he, I'm worship the, worshiping the Lord in that, being fulfilled in that purpose. That is worship. That's why worship is your whole lifestyle. Okay. You got that? Good. Let me give you one more thing. I know it's 1230, and I won't stay long. I want you to think for the next couple minutes of some songs. I'm not going to hold you guilty. I don't care if they're secular songs. I want you to give me songs. I don't want all church Christian songs. Okay? I want you to be able to give me some lyrics. Just think. I'm going to call on you. Get your hand ready. One preacher said this, if we put up a 12-foot high barbed wire fence outside the church and charged you $20 to get in here, you'd act a heck of a lot different than you are now. So he said that. Now, he was a guy that really pushed his people to show some outward expression. So, And it's true. What gets me as a worship leader, and it kind of upsets my feelings, I have to be honest. People go to see who? Who they go to see? Michael W. Smith. Yeah, I went to see him. I love him. I think he's one of the best. And they go, oh, my gosh, why can't our worship services be like that? I said, because why can't you six months ago start thinking about this day, August the 2nd, and invest money 
and in time and your emotions into that one day. Why can't you do it? Don't expect me to give you something you need to get for yourself. Don't break your normal. Don't expect to come in here on a Sunday and expect me to break your normal everyday mundane, the life that you half hate, the job that you can't stand, the relationship with your husband or wife that you got problems with, that you're not the mother or father you're supposed to be. Don't come in here and expect me to pump you up and make you be like that. People that come wanting, we know it. And we can help you and we want to encourage you in, you in that and all that you can. But listen, if you really want to upset a worship leader, you just tell them that. Why can't our worship services be like that? Because when you go there, you jump and shout and clap your hands. You come here, you sit down. Aaron's been, we've been talking about having a Tuesday night all worship service. I felt like saying, yep, charge him 20 bucks to get in. I'll, give a, I'll be one of these guys that give 100 of the proceeds to the needy. I don't want none of it. None of this team wants it. So anyways, but I'm just kidding. So did anybody, huh? It's true, isn't it? Daggone. I don't know about you, but I feel different in a car. My wife will hold this true. I feel different in a car that I'm paying $400 a month for than I do in one that we've drove for three years and not had a payment on. Don't you, babe? Oh, I love I said, I feel better. When we purchased that new Grand Prix, we felt great in that thing. It was red. It was beautiful. It was like a year old. We paid $400 a month for it. We felt great. But now that we're driving one that's 13 years old, I told her the other day, I said, babe, I love you. I just can't believe you you deny yourself and drive this thing because it's a beast. It feels like a beast compared to my little car I got. So, um, how many of you know that's true? The more you pay, the more you invest, the better you feel. Quit buying lotion, you ladies. Use olive oil on your skin. You're not going to feel as great as you normally do. It's true. It's true. What you invest in, you don't walk away from. You don't think light of it. You don't. Okay, I know we're past time. Uh, let the kids go over there. Um, Give me a song. Somebody give me a song. I want a song. I don't care if it's secular. I don't look at you in a bad way. I'll come up with some secular. Huh? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. Okay, in that song, that person, writer or singer, who is he speaking to? Jesus loves me, this I know. Great. Ba- that's a great foundational song to do this with, huh? Or he, if he's singing it, he usually, if I was here at church singing Jesus loves me, who would I be singing it to? Who? Who would I be singing that to? Jesus loves me, this I know. I'm telling what? Somebody. If I was singing it to Jesus, I would be saying what? Lord, you love me, this I know. Okay. So if we're singing it like the original. Jesus loves me, this I know. So I'd be singing it for myself to another human, right? Okay, give me another song. You don't have to be Christian. I'll come up with some secular ones if you don't. Huh? Michael Jackson? Yeah. I'm asking him to make a change. Something like that, yeah. No message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. Okay, so... Okay, who is he singing that to at that time? Himself, or he's singing it to me. 
I took it personal when I learned the song as a kid, right? Okay. Uh, since this one's about Jesus, it would lean more. If this is dead middle of the road, here, let's make a red line. Middle of the road, middle of the road. Okay. We know that Jesus loves me is a man-to-man song. It made it up above the red line, right? So let's say man in the mirror. He didn't sing it down here to something evil, did he? No. He just sang it to man to man. So it's going to be in here somewhere. It's, it's probably not a church song. I mean, it could be. You could preach a message from that, definitely, and we could all learn from that. So it's somewhere around the red line. Give me another song. Song, song of the south. Sweet potato pie and I shut my mouth. Gone, gone with the wind. There ain't nobody looking back. Yeah. Cotton on the roadside, cotton in the ditch. Okay, that's a good song. Uh, that's really not for church, but it's just got a, that's a good song. Like, home was an easy chair with my daddy there and the smell of Sunday supper. I like home songs, you know, especially Southern. Southern. So I'd put it right down here somewhere. Wouldn't you? It's singing man to man. It wasn't really directed towards God or toward the, to the devil. Anybody else? And he's buying a stairway. Is that an evil song or a good song, Bill? Evil it is. That song is a man singing that song, right? You would say that? And where would you say that song's? Is that song headed this direction? Okay. Man, your guys are like, your, your iPod's going nuts in your head. What all I got on that thing? I told the first group, if I borrowed your car, I'm going to hit your presets. I'm going to. Isn't it funny? People say, make yourself at home when you go to their house. Get your dog out, please. I can't stand dogs. Could you, could you see me telling you that? I mean, do you mean what you say? I hate cats. I hate them. So, can I have a chair? Your cat didn't sit in. You know, you wouldn't say nothing like that. So, people really aren't, you ever notice people really aren't real? We're not. So, anyways, we need help, Lord. Help us. Who, 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 who's got another one? Lady. I'm your light and shining armor, and I love you. Now, if he was singing that to somebody he wasn't married to, that's probably going to lead to something it shouldn't. I would kind of put this down in here. It's not really evil, but a lot of flesh in that song. Married couples, it's great, you know. Another one. You guys are doing great. Give me a new hip-hop. Who? Sexy back. Woo! Uh, Oh, I don't know. I don't really want to know any of the lyrics, but is that singing from one person? Huh? Oh, okay. I, I would definitely say that's just real bad stuff here. Probably leading that direction a little bit. Okay, thank you for your honesty. I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hear her voice in the morning hours. She calls me. That one? Radio reminds me of my home far away. Driving down the road, I get a feeling that I should have, yeah. Take me home, country road. I would say that's just a that's just a man-to-man song. It's not really a church song. It'd be right around this red line. Nothing wrong with it. My mom cries when she hears that. Super freak, super freak. She's super freaky. This crowd here likes to party. Hey, we're not going to invite that first group. We're going to have a party here one day. I know it's late and they're killing me. Okay, I'm going to turn this thing. Look here, though. Y'all ain't getting up here at all. I said secular. You did it. She's a super freak. That's like, really, down in here. Okay, let's go. to Here's one I'll give to you. Uh, 
I sang it first service. I want to sing this one again. This will hopefully confuse you. You are the love of my life. You are the hope that I cling to. You mean more than this world. I don't do this at home, I'll be honest. To me, I wouldn't trade you for silver or gold. I wouldn't trade you for, be quiet, riches untold. You are, you are my everything. Now, how many ladies would want your husband to hold you and sing that to you? Yeah. I suffer in that. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Okay. So where would that song be? And I'm going to let you go. Where would the song be? Who? Who said it? Where does it go? Way up high? Why do you say that? In the back in the white shirt, why do you say that? You believe it was wrote to the Lord. Do you believe it was wrote to the Lord? Yeah, it was. It was wrote by. But, but I, if you would have never known that and your wife didn't know that, you could sing that to her and she would never know any difference. So that's what I'm saying. What, what songs would be songs that come from here? Somebody help me. I did, you'd think a worship leader really knows that. But the stuff's really spawn. Yeah, let it rain probably. Yeah. Or uh, no, daggone it. These are songs that come from God. That ain't dust to the wind. That'd be like spontaneous, spontaneous songs. Spontaneous songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be God singing to man, right? Right? Okay. God's love toward us. Or sometimes in worship, God will just begin to say something. And even on me on the keyboard, sometimes we'll do that. So that's where music goes. Song here. I sang one last service. I can't remember what it was. Oh, Guns and Roses. I used to love her, but I had to kill her. I used to love her, but I had to kill her. I think it says bad words. I say, she complained so much, she drove me nuts. But now I'm happier this way. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Sorry we took long. Sorry we took long. You can stand if you would. Well, he's Thomas will play a song and we'll dismiss. God has a plan for your life. He has a great plan of worship for you. And it's a fulfillment of your purpose. Maybe you don't know your purpose. I've had some men tell me they hate their jobs, but they don't know where they'd go if they had another choice. I would say fast, hit your knees and tell it to the Lord and let the Lord help you. There has been weeks, months at a time I hated my job until my attitude changed and I seen that that was where I was for the time. I didn't understand everything, but I fell before the Lord and said, God, this is where I'm at. And it may be through my mistake. It may not. I've got a terrible attitude in it and I need to change because I want to be a worshiper where I work. I want, to bring, I want people to be attracted to my life where I work. And I did that. And I denied myself as much as I could until the Lord has helped me to really enjoy where I'm at. And I, I know that God wants you to, to really enjoy where you're at, no matter how tough, no matter how hard. I don't look for a different outward expression in you when we come next week. I don't. I just, but as your relationship changes with the Lord, your outward expressions will change also. So. Lord, we thank you for this day, for your goodness, God. May we leave changed. May we leave challenged by your word. May we look up worship in your word. May we find our purpose in you, God. May we sense fulfillment. I pray for probably more than likely a female, but there's probably a male also that does not feel, does not believe they're fulfilled in their life or parts of their life. 
I just pray for you. I believe God wants wants to meet with you in a great way. I believe God wants you to surrender Him in a great way and trust Him in your hardship because you'll change and you'll grow and you'll come closer to Him. And uh, Lord, we thank you for that. And we just pray you use us in a great way this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.